1: tribalism sucks. Critical thinking is pretty cool. Thanks for being part of American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson.
0: It's an election year. We're talking about the Supreme Court. We're now talking about the president's taxes. And by the way, there's an awful lot of policy in your state and local community that seems to get drowned out in all of the partisan debates and all of the exposés in the news. But does it get any more personal than the education in your community. I'm talking about your local public schools. I'm talking about your state spending on education because that's something that, well, affects tens if not hundreds of millions of people. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us on American Viewpoints. New book coming out looks into the spending and maybe not just whether we need to do more or less but is there a better way to do it? Brandon Wright is the editorial director of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. And Brandon, you're also co-editor of the new book, Getting the Most Bang for the Education Buck. And first of all, thanks for the time this weekend. And secondly, we hear a lot that education just can't happen in a quality way without funding. And so is it a matter of just spending, spending more or are there better ways to spend education dollars?
1: I mean, schools do need to be adequately uh, funded to do their job well. Um, The problem is that when we talk about that, we tend to not talk about an equally important point, which is how those dollars are spent. And that isn't talked about uh, basically anywhere. And it's the same for schools that are adequately funded and schools that are underfunded. It's just not a topic of conversation because it's dominated by calls for more money. Um, So that's really the basis of our book. We aren't saying that schools are adequately funded. We are simply saying that this needs to be a topic of conversation and that uh, school dollars need to be spent better. And obviously that is more more true now than it has been in a very long time given the pandemic.
0: Okay, I want to get to the pandemic effect here in just a couple of minutes, but let, let me start with kind of a basic question. When we say we need to spend money better, to me, that implies there are ways that we're not spending it well now. What would be some examples of what school districts or states need to rethink when it comes to how they're spending money?
1: Some big hitters uh, and some easy ones are the way that schools uh, spend money on pensions and healthcare. Across the 50 states, we have something like $500 billion in unfunded pension debt for public employees, that obviously includes school teachers. And something like only 7% of healthcare costs are actually covered also. Um, A big part of this, right, is that school teachers get pensions for life and a large amount of them get healthcare for life as well, even when different government programs um, kick in that could cover it. So obviously, if you're an employee and you're a new employee, um, you would rather have a pension than have to contribute to a 401k. You would rather have a healthcare for as long as possible. Um, But because there is so much debt, because so much of it is unfunded. uh, The current situation is untenable. And something like only 30 cents of every dollar on pension um, spending goes to current employees. So again, this isn't something that anybody really wants, but it's something that school districts have to actually do. They have to stop enrolling teachers in pensions. They have to stop providing health care for life, um, this will bring the employees, bring the teachers into the cost saving that districts have to actually do to um, spend more money on the classroom in a way that actually affects the way kids learn. Um, one other big way, uh, one other big target is the way that we handle staffing. Over the last 30, 40 years, we've seen this giant increase in the number of staff. Yet, uh, when you adjust for inflation, teacher salaries are basically flat. And that's because uh, all of this staff that has been hired is non-instructional. Or um, the vast amount of it. And uh, some of this is in the classroom with staff that helps kids. um, But a lot of it is in the office. It's in the district offices. It's administrative. And it's just this sort of bureaucratic bloat that is very easy to add on to, but very hard to take away
0: from. We're visiting with Brandon Wright, the editorial director of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, talking about the new book coming out, uh, Getting the Most Bang for the Education Buck. And Brandon, you just mentioned the the COVID effect or the COVID economy effect on education. I mean, there's a lot of money going into local public school districts typically for property taxes, but state funds pretty much across the country are a big factor in that as well. And state funds are tighter now because of all the government shutdowns and and obviously because of the lack of uh, tax revenue that's come in. How does that factor into how school districts should be funding? Because I've read some reports that say, man, depending on the, where you are in the country, we could have nine to $13,000 or more per student per year in education, and you can get a private school for a lot less money than that.
1: Yeah, so the interesting thing about the pandemic is that uh, obviously it's you know, beyond awful, um, but there are some silver linings when it comes to school budgets aside from, from from sort of stimulus funds, school districts for the next you know five, ten, twenty years, budgets are going to be strained and the silver lining here is that it actually presents an opportunity to leaders who have long wanted to do more with their dollars to spend it more efficiently to to institute uh, reforms that uh, make classroom spending more efficient that produces better student learning and the reason why this happens um, is when your opposition to these reforms realize that there's no chance they're going to get extra uh funding that their calls for more and more um are unrealistic you finally have the leverage to sort of push these reforms through we have a chapter that looks at three different uh, school systems that do this well and one is uh, Miami-Dade. And this is exactly what happened after 2009. Their budgets were strained um, and it gave the, the people in charge there, um, finally, uh, the ability and the, um, the strength and uh, everything else to actually do, um, everything that they wanted to do with their schools, and they were able to improve student learning without actually increasing spending.
0: Last uh, question here. We just got a minute. Well, we got about a minute and a half left. So maybe we can sneak in a couple. Uh, Brandon, when it comes to approaching spending, I mean, a lot of times when uh, you tell a school district you don't have the money for that, the accusation is, why are you trying to hurt kids' education? It's for the children. But every other segment of society from nonprofit to the commercial sector to everybody else has to make choices. Uh, Why is it so hard for school districts to uh, just simply say, we don't have the money, we have to choose A or B, we're doing the best we can, because that seems to be the only place in society where that, that answer is just not acceptable.
1: I mean, it's, it's, I think, because in schools, you generally have a very powerful um, force that's fighting for more funding um, in the unions. Um, So, I agree that you don't generally see this this type of pushback um in other parts of our economy um but you do see it in certain uh industries i grew up in the detroit area i currently live there um so my family uh you know worked in the automotive um, industry for a long time and you always i grew up with this struggle between the uaw and sort of the white collar um employees and the uh people in charge of those companies and so when you have this very, very powerful organized force um, whose sole purpose is to get more for uh it's um for the people that belong to it, uh it's very hard to push back against. Um and the teachers union are I believe the most powerful in the entire country. Um so I'm not trying to blame them. I'm 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 not anti that. Uh I think it can have an important place. Um, it can fight for important things, um, but when a union sort of gets potentially too short sighted, I would say, or too uh, too, um, too focused on a single issue, um, right getting their teachers more, uh, sometimes that can lead to the inability to institute reforms that would actually um, reduce spending. Um, create better environments for their teachers. And like you said, most importantly, improve the learning for kids. Um, So I think that's the biggest reason in schools.
0: All right. Where do we find the book, Brandon?
1: Uh, It's anywhere you can buy um, books, uh, Amazon. um, And there's an ebook available on the publisher's site, which is Teachers College Press.
0: All right. And uh, the book once again is called Getting the Most Bang for the Education Buck. Appreciate the conversation, Brandon. Thanks for the time today.
1: All right, thanks, Mike.
0: And of course, if you want to connect with us on social media and find this uh, conversation on podcast version after it airs every weekend, we put it on podcast. Just go to at AVP radio show on Twitter or just look up American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson on Facebook. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. We'll talk to you again next week.